You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. It's Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for being back with us. We have a monster podcast with two really cool car debates. You guys have buried us in questions, so that's going on as well. But as usual, there's much, much to discuss. Our Acura Integra review is now playing on our Test Drive channel. If you haven't seen that, this is the Acura Integra, which shares... Almost everything with a Civic Si. <laughs> let's, I was going to say just, many things. Let's just say it's related it's, to its friend, the Honda so, Honda Civic. Yes, we're glad to have driven it, even though the Acura Integra Type S has been announced. The yes. rumors have been confirmed by Acura at this point. We haven't seen the final version, but at least we drove the Integra, mm-hmm. so that is out for your viewing pleasure. Check mm-hmm. that out on our second channel, Test Drive Channel, and our, our main channel, the Cayman eighty six. We just posted those pictures to get all of you sending questions. The Cayman eighty six review for thirty four thousand dollars. I'm going to stop here real quick. Yes. The day we shot the piece, the day we released the piece, there were many first-generation Caymans available for $34,000. You could spend we much check. more. Yeah. You also could spend as little as $25,000 and still get yourself a Cayman from that generation. So that's interesting. So that's out, and many of you have watched that, and thank you. And meanwhile, in case you haven't noticed, I have been influenced by my almost 13-year-old son, who I watch <laughs> get consumed by YouTube in the vertical format, which makes my skin crawl it as he as he Todd. as he swipes I know, through I YouTube know. Shorts, and I thought, you know, we don't have anything in the YouTube Shorts category. Well, now we do. If you haven't noticed already, we are posting uh, little pieces, little clips from our past work as YouTube Shorts. So, if you're one of those people that watches YouTube Shorts, and there are many of you out there, millions upon millions upon billions of views, it's crazy. So, we are dipping ourselves into the pool of YouTube Shorts. We are not on TikTok. We don't no, do Instagram no, no. reels, but we are doing YouTube shorts. So those are happening. Also, we have finally decided this is where we're going to put behind the scenes bloopers. They're going to be shorts. So going forward, there We've will be some of those as well. a lot of that kind of stuff. Yes, but there's also lots of little moments from our past pieces to help you connect to those. If you haven't seen them where you're like, I never watched that piece or whatever, you, may, you might bump into it as a YouTube short first, and we welcome it. And... If we're on a shoot, we can whip out our phones and just shoot it live. It doesn't have we to be pulled from a piece. We can do something goofy. We can goofy just shoot because it vertically, and you're going to hate you everybody guys who's... have no idea how much <laughs> laughter happens on our shoots, and that's one of the best <laughs> things about this job, and we'd love that we can share it with you. So if we can share more of those moments, we will do that in that format. But that takes nothing away from the fact that we, ha- we were just talking, literally, for the last two hours about all the stuff we have planned for 2023, and there is so much, so many cool comparisons, stuff we're shooting still in the next couple of weeks before the year's out for next year, and much, much more. Good news, everyone. Maserati has released their first single-seat race car in over 60 years for Season 9 of the coming FIA Formula E series, and it looks different than most of the other Formula E cars. What's Mm. bugged me the most about that series is they all look the same, and they're just coated in colors and branding, Mm. so you can't really tell who the teams are. I mean, even though you could say that about NASCAR and Indy and Formula One, they all look very similar, but that's because of the formula. But still, this has a very unique shape to it. It's a gorgeous blue Maserati. I'm such a fan now. 
<laughs> I am wearing my Miserati shirt. I've been wearing you it are. proudly all day. It's my favorite shirt we've ever done. It's really, really awesome. Also, my brother-in-law, Daniel, texted me about the bull market cars. You've probably seen the recent articles mm-hmm. on the cars that you can drive as your 401k, your investment for the future. Yeah, Jason Camisa even did a video about them. He I haven't did. watched it yet, but I know he's got that out. Yeah. Guess what cars are on there? Mm. The 1985 to 1993 Saab 900 turbos, they're on their way up, apparently. And Daniel, my brother-in-law, has two of them. He's got a 1988 and a 93, both cabriolets, even though the article specifically referenced the hardtops. But still, he texted me excitedly, and I'm so glad that not only did he discover Saab organically mm. on his own, he has purchased two of them at a very low price. He loves them, and... The 93 Saab is their lowest mile car. I, I li- Look, I like Daniel. We're friends. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I'm glad that Daniel's in. I'm, but I'm, here's my stake he in the ground in. right here. If, he if he he's, discovered on here, his here's own. Here's the thing. If Daniel, because of this article, tells you he is stopping driving one of the Saabs because he wants it to go okay, up in value, okay, you need fair. to disown him. Okay? I will have words. <laughs> because, I'm sorry, his <laughs> sobs are not going up. I love that he loves them. This is not just your brother-in-law. This is all of us. If you own a terrible version of a car that just sold for a lot of money, we all suddenly think our car is worth a fortune. And newsflash, it's not. That it's one sold not. for a lot. Maybe the market has shifted. But... Because you own a ratty version of a car that's worth a lot does not mean your ratty version is worth. It's just there isn't an equal sign there. Although his '93 is really nice, it's in great shape. Like I, I said, it's I, their I, lowest oh. mile car of all the cars they have, including a truck. How many miles does it have? In the mid nine, low nineties. Okay, I that think. car's not going up in value. I'm just putting it out there. If he tells you he's going to stop driving it because he's worried about the mileage, there, there, have him call me. I'll have words. That's fine. Yeah, the '88 car he bought originally to teach my niece and nephew I remember how it. to yeah. drive manual transmission mm-hmm. the lever is sort of like not attached to anything it's yeah. it's like stirring <laughs> the air it's like a bowl of soup it, in there it really is but he loves it and he does drive it occasionally now even though he's got the 93 but the thing about the 88 is that when you pour oil into the engine it just immediately comes out the bottom Oh, it's a, it's an unclogged system. It's just it's goes just right it's, through. It's just got a hole. I love it. But yeah. it does run great, and it's the car he, that he discovered turbo. So I'm so proud of him. I'm so <laughs> glad that he's discovered Sobs, and he was very excited to to see that. That's article. hysterical. I love it. When you want to wash your car but you're short on time, Grios has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without even having to rinse. Try the rinseless wash and wax kit or the waterless PFM spray on car wash kit from Grios Garage. They're both ideal if the weather has gotten colder outside, or you're an apartment dweller, or if you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You can get a perfect wash indoors or out in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are a no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Remember, Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Isabel is writing to us from Wisconsin, and she says she's captive in a car and forced to write. That sounds, Yikes. That, that sounds actually much more frightening than the email that follows. Hasn't this been a movie script before? Haven't we seen this? That some variation of that would be possible. I'm sure we could get AI to write it. So, uh, yeah, anyway. Isabel, in July, 
married an avid podcast listener cool. and car nut. She finishes med school next semester and is being forced to shop for a new vehicle to start her professional career. They have started looking at some cars and her husband recommended writing to us as it will help their debate process. So she said, wait, those guys you listen to on that podcast about cars that I don't like. She, he said, yeah. I'm sorry, uh-huh. you're trapped, right to, right to those guys, yeah. Well, she is short, five foot five, no kids or training kids. No Train, pets. Training kids <laughs> training is kids. good. I like that. It's very good, yes. Their current fleet includes her husband's bright red Ford Focus RS. Very cool. Her 2015 Jeep Wrangler Sahara with admittedly too many aftermarket parts. And a 2017 Polaris Slingshot. Isabel, I didn't know anybody bought those. See, that was the thing. I heard a record scratch when I read that, too, because I, I, I'm i certain one? this is the first podcast email we've ever had where somebody owned, not drove, owned a Polaris Slingshot. I thought they were only bought by one of two people. And I'm, not, I'm actually not teasing you guys. I thought they were literally only bought by one of two people. Guys that were too old to ride their Harley anymore. Yeah. Or people that were buying them to rent them to others. That's all we see. We see actually a lot of them around Park City. Yes. But they're all, we know they're rented and yes. people are enjoying themselves and mm-hmm. they look fun to drive. As she admits, it's fun and goofy and quirky to drive. Always an event. Yeah. But right now she doesn't like her Wrangler. She kept asking for more and more parts to make it better. And she doesn't like off-roading with her girlfriends and it isn't nice to drive to and from campus. Well, what's crazy is she bought this because she sold her 2008 Audi A4, which was wrecked in a parking lot by a drunk plow driver mm, but sorry. then her, all of her her girlfriends this is what i find amazing about this her girlfriends were like we're all going off-roading you should get an off-road vehicle so she wants to hang out with her girlfriend she buys herself a wrangler she doesn't like it and she gets into we've had this conversation before with many of you driving sports cars and other things if you don't like a car please don't try to mod it until you like it because this is it what she's done. Work. She kept. Did she was it. like, "I want to hang out with my girlfriends. I want to go off roading. I don't really like this Jeep, but if I put that on, well, maybe that. Well, what if I added that? And what she's ended up with is a Wrangler over modded. She still doesn't like. <laughs> well, her husband loves his Focus RS. Okay. She says it's fun to ride along. They drift across frozen lakes. Now it's the perfect ride for him. Now, mm-hmm. just good. But at this point, they've been looking at some of the luxury sedans. But this is not her husband's expertise. With a $65,000 price cap, they've been mm. trying to find the best commuter, 30-ish miles daily one way, 30 minutes, and a road tripper for life after school. Okay. But keep in mind, she's going to be a doc. Yes. And she says, what, what has that executive premiere, mm-hmm. I've made it kind of look? Yep. Because she misses her A4, and that was the perfect thing. They, they loved it. It was taken from her mm-hmm. too soon. Yep. And they still miss it. Now, they did drive the current A4 during the test drive. They, they also it, drove yeah. the Panamera. And she says, am I the doc with the Porsche? Am I a foregone conclusion? <laughs> well, but she, I hate that. She says, we like the new A4. Then she said, we drove the Panamera. And wow. Well, yeah. She was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> and then she's like, doctor and a Porsche. Should I be? Here's, but you know what, Isabel? I'm going to defend you real quickly. How many doctors do you know that drive Panameras? Because the doctor cliche is 911s. I suppose that's true. I'm not true. saying you don't know other docs that drive are Panameras for dentists. Panameras. Or what but, we... but, but but my point is that the joke, the all doctors drive Porsches thing, is 911. And I would bet if it's not a 911, it's probably an SUV. I doubt very Possibly. many doctors drive Panameras. That is that is a very specific choice. 
it's on the build sheet close to the bottom where they ask you your career, you know, yes. and they just give you two the doc- options. The doctor package. Are you a doctor or a dentist? That's it. <laughs> if you're buying a silver base 911, that, you check one of those boxes. Is there a Hollywood box too? Like I live in Hollywood and like, oh, well, you're in a different category. Please go see that person across yeah, the... That, well, they'll sell you that. Oh, oh, you didn't want a Range Rover? You want a 911? Okay, yeah, that's who you are. Got it. Well, her husband will sell the slingshot to make this budget work, but does she get a Porsche? They like it. She's looking at more standard options like the Super Legacy and the Honda Accord. Apparently, they're underwhelming, especially in the interior, compared to their German counterparts. I'm sorry, but you drove an A4 and a Panamera and then wandered over to the Subaru Legacy and the Honda Accord, both of which are solid cars (laughs) in their own right, but that is the wrong order because they can't follow what you already drove. She said they also drove a few Cadillac CTSs. They were okay. really nice. And some old person spec Lincoln Corsairs. Versus the non-old person right. spec what, Lincoln Corsairs? They're a different anyway, thing okay. missing. Sedan options from Chrysler and Dodge were surprisingly comfy, but she cannot figure out why she doesn't like them. You know what? Be- and I hate to say this. It's because you don't like your Jeep. It's the same kind of thinking in car form. And because the Jeep doesn't res- doesn't resonate with you, the Chrysler and Dodge big sedans just don't hit you quite right either. It's not that Stel- Stellantarians built those two. Well, I'm saying they built the Jeep and they built the Chrysler and the there, Dodge. There's a, there's a connective tissue in mm-hmm. the way that they're built and the size of them and that kind of thing. And since the Wrangler wasn't working, I'm not surprised those didn't work. They are going to look at the Asian vehicles, but they're kind of flying blind at all of this luxury stuff. They might look at minivans. Don't look at minivans. You don't need a minivan. You don't need a minivan. If you if if you said, look, we have three kids and two dogs, it'd be like you need to look at minivans. Yeah, don't you look at minivans. You just specifically said no kids and no training kids. It's just the two of you. Minivan is later, if they're, at all. They're not looking for sports cars until we get done with you. So why not go <laughs> with something that okay. makes sense everywhere, like their A4? She clearly mm-hmm. misses the A4 and yes. the things that it can do and how it fits their life, which mm-hmm. I do like. But she also asks if they need to look at crossovers. They don't spark that executive particular look, but seem to have more diversity. Okay. <laughs> I think you're being kind. You don't need a crossover. <laughs> There's not enough diversity. Anyway. Now she says whatever they get cannot leave her stranded when it's below zero on her way back from class or work. It cannot spontaneously combust. It has to have a heated <laughs> steering wheel and mirrors. Okay. The better the cameras and tech are, she's hopeful about that. Her preference is style. Style is listed first, by the way quality of materials, comfort, and reliability. She will sacrifice fuel and performance and budget. <laughs> Look out. Hmm. All Since right. her husband is so determined to buy her a car before she's the breadwinner. Interesting. She says, you could call it my graduation gift or a quarter life crisis. You're, you're just finishing the 25th grade. This is when the whole equation <laughs> exactly. swaps from you are just taking on debt and I can't believe I'm still going to school <laughs> to I'm going to make some money now. I'm a doctor. And you should. So that's really good. Isabel, I really want for you a car that says to other people, what do you know that I don't? Mm, that's good. That's what I love about okay. watches. Because it strikes up a conversation. You look at that particular watch, and why did you choose that? And how Mm. are you able to afford that? And what do you know that I don't? Mm. What haven't I discovered yet is the question that I want other people to ask when they're looking at what you drive. Okay. And the smartest money for me, even though you do have a very healthy budget at $65,000, that can buy a lot of cool things. Mm -hmm. I can buy two cool things. (laughs) It could. You're right. We're not there. Yeah. 
is Genesis, the entire brand of Genesis. Sure, sure, yeah. I'll take anything from Genesis, including the GV60. Mm. I like everything they make. I like the style. I like their materials. They're very high end. And it speaks to everything that you discovered about German luxury cars Mm -hmm. by being... But they're also the smart money. Yeah, you're right. And they're not Mm -hmm. that that thing casting over the, I'm a doctor with a Porsche, or, ooh, you bought a BMW, so get ready for high-maintenance bills, or any of the cliches Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. preconceived notions that you have about European car ownership. They look and feel expensive, but they now have the cachet that the Europeans do. I agree with that. Yeah, and, and at this point, they don't have the baggage. I mean, Kia and Hyundai has been having some engine issues, but I don't think that affects most of the lineup that you would probably want to buy, which is the upper level stuff. Look into that. But Kia and Genesis is killing it, honestly. When you read heated steering wheel and mirrors, it has to be comfortable and mm-hmm. can't spontaneously combust or leave you <laughs> stranded. Or that's a low bar, by the way. Your preference is style and quality of materials and comfort and reliability. All I can think of. Is a G70. You said you want an all-wheel drive sedan. You miss your A4 G70 from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And good news, they're not sixty-five thousand dollars. They're it, not. I, I'm right there with you. I think the the Genesis G70 is kind of top of my list as well. I've got other options, but the Genesis G70 cannot be denied. If you want to look at SUV options, the GV70. So Isabel, what Genesis has done mm-hmm. is named all their sedans and cars with just G mm-hmm. and the number. Yep. Their SUVs have GV, so GV70, GV80, GV90. Yep. It yep. goes up in size from there. GV70 is excellent, mm-hmm. and it carries the same kind of cachet and thing, but it's fun to drive. They're brilliant to drive. It's not yeah. like, hey, you're buying sort of a almost German car, luxury, also ran kind of thing, but it doesn't drive well. They're fun to drive. Watch our test drive on the GV70. We talked about it because it's, it's kind of a Macan competitor. We talked about it there. But the G70, the sedan, this is the 3 Series competitor, and it's a phenomenal car. The other brand that you need to take a look at is Volvo. And specifically oh, okay. the S60, it is worth a look. Brand new S60 start at $41,000, but I'm not stopping there. Okay. We're looking at the T8 E all-wheel drive Polestar engineered hmm. with 455 horsepower, 523 pound-feet of torque, with a combined range, because it's hybrid, of mm-hmm. 31 miles per gallon for $68,000. All right. It's European. It's jewelry. It does all of the things mm-hmm. you want it to do, mm-hmm. but it isn't German. That's very good. That car is special. It's beautiful. It does have gorgeous style, and it's restrained, and it does say executive look without being the also-ran or the Mm -hmm. a preconceived notion. You're a pushover. Oh, you just went and got the thing. Even though Porsches and Mercedes and BMWs, I love Mm -hmm. all those. Audis, I love them. They're great. You could look at a Porsche Macan, new or used. That's True. On the fringes of my brain out here. Sure. As if you're the, talking GV, GV70, it's worth looking interesting, at. I see it, yeah. Worth looking at. But then my wild card, I actually have two. The wild card for you is the opposite of the executive look because you're young. Mm. Now's the time to mm. have the opposite of the executive look. You have the rest of your life to go big Bodhi sedan plushy. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, how about a John Cooper Works mini brand new? They're not 65. They're yeah, 42, 44. Yeah. Better yet, how about like a rally car mini with light bars and a roof rack? <laughs> I think I think she doesn't want. I think the rally's covered by the RS, but I but Maybe I hear you. So, but if you get a John Cooper Works Mini, mm-hmm. it is comparable in performance and kind of what it does and feeling to your husband's RS. True. Yeah. 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 
you can either swap or you can compete. You can go drifting across frozen lakes together. Hysterically You're funny. Kind of having the same thing, even though it's hyperactive. There's a lot of fun to be had and mm-hmm. brand new. There's lots of personality, which reading between the lines, I think you're looking for. Yeah. You want agreed. personality, but you still want something well-built and comfortable and luxurious and all that kind of. Remember, BMW owns the mini brand. Yeah. Yeah. So you're still getting a European car feeling mm-hmm. by buying that brand new mini and the John Cooper works. Ah, the power. We're fans. It's scampers. It's yeah. fast. Yeah. It's cool. But it's, it sets you apart. Mm-hmm. And I think all of your counterparts and peers kind of are in the same mode. You're a doc and you graduate mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. get the thing, your car and comfortable in life and great. And that might work. And because of road trips, that might be a thing where you do want, you know, you lean more towards the comfortability aspect. Sure. So Genesis G70 all day long, yeah, start yeah. to finish and we're done. But the mini intrigues the daylights out of me because it's such a different thing. And again, back to my comment on... What do you know that I don't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have you figured out how did you have a mini? That's that's cool. Is it mm. fun? Is it comfortable? Yes to all those things. Great tech, great build mm-hmm. quality, fun to drive, brand new warranty. It just says something that there's something in you waiting to get out. You yeah. want to go have some fun, but hey, my doctor just pulled him a mini. She is cool. I just <laughs> I want her to be my doctor. You know what I mean? I see it. Yeah, and that's then, good. Oh, she just pulled up in a, a Jaguar. And you mentioned Jaguar and Maserati. I don't think you're at that place in life. I don't think you need need to do anything with That's those two fair. brands. That's fair. The Grecale, by the way, did you know those start at $102,000? They start at 102. <sighs> the Macan Fighter, Maserati, Grecale <laughs> starts at over $100,000. It better be really good. It better be really good. Yeah. But my ridiculous wild card, if you do want something super plushy, boaty, okay. just right. ridiculous. Go back to the late 2000s Jaguar XJ8, whether it's the L, whether it's oh. the R. Yeah, that's... that's. It's mm. just so... But it that's the executive look. Yeah. And you can pay half the money for a, a brilliant one. You can yeah. save money. But I... It's the wrong feel, though. It really is the wrong feel. Something in your email just says there's a spark. Yeah. There's just new life. Once you get past everything, mm-hmm. all your schooling, things are going to change... Life's looking really bright, and you're just yeah. rocking a John Cooper Works Mini. I see it. You're going to mini rallies. You're doing. All this, you're racing your husband across frozen lakes. It's interesting. It's okay. Wednesday night. You know what that means? It is on. It's on. <laughs> We're going to double tomorrow, but tonight. That's very funny, <laughs> Isabel. I have a few thoughts for you here. First off, your big headline is all-wheel drive, fun to drive at upscale and still fun. And I see why you gravitated toward the Panamera. And I would say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the Panamera. I think the Panamera would be a great choice. But I don't know that it's the perfect choice. So I want to examine some other ideas. If you're if you like the Panamera and you like the Audi A4, what about an Audi A7? Now it's that might choice. be a little big for you, but that's the that's that we actually drove it against the Panamera years and years ago. But it's but it's one you can find all over the place. But then I thought, wait a minute, Audi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How much fun do you want to have, Isabel? <laughs> What Low, about, medium, high. What about the RS3? <laughs> oh, you could get a brand new RS3 oh. for your budget, and no one is saying that car is not fun. Bronze, silver, or gold? It's, where yet? It's it's what you like about your A4 done crazier. Okay, it's like the it's almost like the A4 crossed with your husband's Focus RS. It's almost like the hybrid of the two ideas. Ooh. So Audi RS3, which then led me to we loved this car. 
and it's out of your budget, unfortunately. Maybe you could find a deal on one. Mercedes CLA AMG 45. Smoking. The one we had was, what, 71 grand? Yeah, but it they're was sweet. unbelievably fun. <laughs> yes. And unbelievably fun. And yes. it, it comes with, I mean, look, Isabel, just imagine this. We had it in yellow. There's a test drive of it. We had it in yellow with black carbon canards. I mean, sweet. come on. Your doctor pulls up in that. That's it. And, and, you know, at, and also, here's the other thing about it. You're a small person compared to us. You're 5'5". Five five. Well, yeah, that's why I The issue that we have something. in things like the CLA is we're like, yeah, we're big guys. You're going to be thrilled in that car. So that's, that's true. I, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the fringe there, but that's still all-wheel drive. Very fun. Very luxurious. Expensive. So My doctor's all of those. really good. She just pulled up in a car with carbon fiber canards on exactly. the Exactly. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what those do. She knows something I do not. It's good. You mentioned the, the Genesis G70, Paul, and I think that is right at the top of the list. It's an excellent, yeah. excellent choice. Yeah. But because of the other ones I thought of, I have to mention two more. And that is if you decide the G70. Here's the thing about the G70. The G70 has a very classy executive look. Mm-hmm. If you decide, Isabel, that's a little too executive for you. Get it wrapped in a wild color? No, get a Kia Stinger. Oh, there we go. Yeah. It's the more it's a little bit bigger, but it's also a little bit more rough and tumble feel, all-wheel drive version of that G70 with a little more bit more backseat space because the G70 doesn't have great backseat space. The Stinger GT is available in Circus Peanut Orange. Well, there you go, but it also is I feel like that's the the rougher version, like the more aggressive feel. Yeah. Isabel, I would <laughs> be remiss if I did not mention this car and people are pr- probably surprised I haven't mentioned it so far, and that is you need to at least go drive an Alpha Julia in all-wheel drive. That is the forgotten executive sedan. Plenty of power, all-wheel drive, looks great, nice interior. Come on. You drive a nice red or there's a really nice blue, a really nice green. There's good colors over at Alfa Romeo. You get yourself a Julia all-wheel drive, and you say something different with that car. Well, you're going to have to learn Italian, Isabel. (laughs) She's learned enough. 25 grades worth of school. She's good. She's good. Your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun, and it can really deteriorate over time due to UV damage. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new, as well as complementing your interior. These dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors. You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? you got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just remember, use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at EverydayDriver.com or navigate directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and looking its best. Michael L. writes to us as a 16-year-old car enthusiast about to buy his first car, and he needs our advice. I love that. Also, by the way, I'm going to say hi to Michael's mom and dad, who are now listening, because (laughs) you know that's happening. We're going to do this whole thing, and then he's going to be like, Mom, Dad, listen to what the guys think I should get, hopefully. Michael wants something fun. He wants something exciting that seems like you're going faster than you actually are. That is key, and that is smart. Now, Michael writes that he's not very enthusiastic about getting a speeding ticket. (laughs) Well... (laughs) I haven't yet met anybody who is. None of us are enthusiastic, Michael, but I'm going to say this to you as well. You know what? It's going to happen at some point in your life, and that's okay. It really is. It really is is okay. It might happen more than once. Potentially, as a car person, yes. But what I do like, though, is you you are coming into this really from a mature place of going, I don't want something that I'm surprised by how fast it is. 
He's saying yeah, you, true, you're asking true. for the slow car, fast mentality. You want something that you are aware of how fast it's going. Now, something else that he writes is that a manual would be fun, but he's hesitant on getting one for his first car. He says paddle shifters or similar would probably be better. And you're right. But because you said you want something that seems like you're going faster than you actually are mm-hmm. when you're engaged with the car yes and all your limbs are working <laughs> yes that's when it seems like i'm i'm busy mm-hmm. things are going on and i'm only going 35 oh, yep. okay mm-hmm. i encourage you to learn Agreed. this skill Agreed. and do it early in life and not put it off mm-hmm. you can of course learn it at any point but i think at least to start with i will recommend that you do because parents listening mm-hmm. It will keep your arms and legs busy, and therefore you can't be holding a phone or drinking Starbucks or doing anything Mm -hmm. else but driving and shifting. And I think it's going to up your awareness. Now, for new drivers, I admit, I didn't have a manual when I started out driving. I had a 77 Jeep Cherokee automatic. You could watch the gas needle move because of Quadratrack, (laughs) the Erwin Jeep, and pretty much everybody else figured out, like, you know what? We should have all four wheels just going all the time and suck (laughs) all the power and all the gas. But... I learned soon after, I think I learned when I was 17 or 18, my dad had a Jetta and I learned on that. And I recommend this highly because not only is your awareness and because it's a new skill and such a big new responsibility, I think you'll soak it in so quickly that it won't matter. The learning curve will be very fast and very short. Agreed. And then it'll be just about refining it. And this is something, yes. look, look, my son's just now 13, and this is the thing that I want for him when he starts driving. I want him to have a manual. So does my wife. Like his first car, if we can do, if we can make sure we make it work, we want it to be a manual. So he is busy. And it also, it can, everything you said, Paul, it connects you to the car. It, it ups your awareness. Mm-hmm. And it does keep you busy. The other reason is not quite as important, but it has to do with life skills. Mm. And when... Mm. You're not driving your car and a friend of yours says, hey, here's the keys. Could you go move my car out of the driveway or could you go pull that around or could you help me out? You know what? I need a ride home and I can't drive right now. Mm-hmm. Could you drive me? And Oh, you've got a manual? Sure. No problem. I can drive your car. Yeah. Yeah. You can always drive an automatic or a paddle shifter. But yeah. if they've got a manual too and you've got that life skill already embedded because you're in a mode and a place in your life. You're at this age when you're just learning all kinds of stuff. Mm. That's Mm. where your brain's at. And I highly encourage you to learn it now That's great. instead of continue to put it off because it's so easy to put it off to the next car and the next car. Totally. Totally. So I encourage you highly, but if you ultimately decide that it's not for you at this time, that's still okay. Mm -hmm. Either decision is okay. Now, Michael writes that it should also have good miles per gallon, at least 28, maybe. Okay. And it shouldn't be priced over 15 grand. That's the budget. It's got to be reliable with less than 100,000 miles on it and have decent headroom because he's six foot and possibly still growing. I'm sure you are. Probably, yeah. He doesn't need a lavish interior, but he doesn't look at, want a bad looking one either. And he's got about a 10 to 15 mile commute, 20, 25 minutes or so. Okay. Cars he's looking at include the Audi A3, Mazda 3, and Jetta GLI. And he's open to all suggestions except <laughs> the Mustang, the Corvette, the Charger, etc. Is his parents, which also means the Camaro, do not yeah. approve. Yeah. So, so something that suggests big muscle car or might actually be hiding a big muscle car. I love the idea of we got the sixteen-year-old a Corvette. I I had a buddy wow. in high school whose parents got him a Corvette, and it was wrecked mm-hmm. soon. 
Soon. Here. He took me for a drive the first night he had it, and we almost got in a wreck on that drive. And I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go home now. Oh <laughs> that was wrecked quickly. Michael, thanks for writing. Really appreciate it. Mini Cooper's on my list, as is the GTI or Golf R. But the most reliable in the car that I think you should consider is something that we drove. And Todd, your remark about it being good for new drivers Mm. still resonates. And that is the 10th generation Honda Civic SI. It only came with a manual, Michael. Mm. The Civic Type R and the SI were only available with manuals. This is a four-door. It's a sedan. But you also, at your age, have insurance to consider. And your parents, they don't approve of these muscle cars because of the power. But, of course, because of the insurance costs, too. Yeah, yeah. Insurance agents are going to look at that and be like, oh, a brand new driver driving one of those. I mean, they look at middle-aged drivers driving one of those <laughs> and rub their hands with glee. You're right. Fair point. But still, you've got insurance to think about. And at some point, you're going to be taking friends somewhere, Probably, somehow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're going to want to go on road trips. You're going to want to fill the car full of gear and go places. It's very spacious and roomy. I think it will be very friendly. New, they were about $25,000, brand new. I'm sure you can find one for right about $15,000 under a hundred thousand miles. The thing's going to run Mm -hmm. and you're not going to have that hanging over your life at this point in time. You're Mm -hmm. not going to have car maintenance and builds and all that kind of stuff. As fun and cool as that is, that's not (laughs) what I'm hearing from you. You just want to get into the task and mode of driving, but it's still a lot of fun. Remember it's still an SI. Mm-hmm. So it still has some fun driving goodness, but we drove that as part of a comparison called lukewarm hatches. Yep. Yep. And it doesn't need to be the hot civic type R. The whole point is keep the cost down. Sure. Yeah. Okay. The fun factor is not as high as the civic type R, but it's a lot less money and it's better for insurance. And as you said, you made that comment, Todd, mm-hmm. pretty good for new drivers. Something to consider. Agreed. I think that's really good. That's where I'm at. Michael, I want to talk about the two that you brought up, the A3 and the GLI. I think they're both out. And I say that because they're both turbo and they don't come with manuals. Actually, the GLI you can get with a manual. But the the point about it is because they're turbo and because they're both Volkswagen products, they are trying on purpose to isolate you. Mm. And you need something that doesn't. Now, they're nice places to be, but I think the A3 and the GLI are out. The Mazda 3 maybe depends on what version. That's a very good car. I think you would like that. You can go back a little bit. You can get a really good one of those. So the Mazda 3 is interesting. I do like that one. I agree with your points on manual, Paul. I think staying busy and also learning it right away will just embed him as a better driver. So I For think sure. that's very good. I considered the uh, Fiat 500 a BART, but maybe that's too fast. I mean, the, the, the big question mm. on all of these, Michael, is the fact that you've got to take our list and cross-reference it with insurance realities. Yeah. And that's going to instantly get your marker ready. That's going to instantly take things <laughs> off the list. But it may make some cars surprising. The 500 a BART isn't all that fast. It feels like it, but it isn't all that fast. And it is much more involving than that A3 or GLI. So I think you're going to be very speed aware in that car. It is a turbo, yes, but I think you would enjoy it. Mini Cooper's in the same idea. But then there's two I I have to bring up because I think otherwise we're really ignoring them. And one is you are right at the top of size for a Miata. Have you driven one? Mm. Miatas are great first cars. Miatas are great cars, period, but they're great first cars. At six feet tall, you're right at the upper edge. Now, I don't know if your legs or torso where you get your your height, but if you can fit, you can find them. They are not too powerful. They're pretty cheap to insure. They get great gas mileage. They run. It's all the things you want. Can you fit? But then I have to also go here. Are we all going to say it together? The first generation 86. (laughs) 
the BRZ or the FRS. True. Nobody's going to argue about it being too powerful. Great six-speed manual. Oh, you're right. But you're great right. six-speed yeah. manual. From what I am aware of, I'm pretty sure the insurance on them isn't that bad. You can get a used one all day long for your budget. They you get know, in this good case, the lower power version, that car, the GT86, is I, a good choice. That car is going to make you so involved in driving. And because of the way it's set up with the two plus two fold down seats in the trunk, you actually have a surprising amount of space. You, as a six foot tall kid with room to grow, are still fine. I think that first gen 86 is a very compelling car for you. A thing for you to keep in mind, Michael, is that we've heard of stories of people modding those. And when they get ready to sell them, the car seems stock. But the car has been chip-tuned, and mm. so many mods happened to it that the internals have been very worked very hard, harder sure, than sure. most. It seems stock, and everything's put back together. Stock exhaust has gone back on. The chip-tune has reverted back to factory, Yeah, yeah, those kind of things. And then later on, it causes problems. So something to keep in mind as you're shopping for those. It's not every car. Yeah. And avoid the ones that have been hack-tuned at home by somebody just wanting to play with the car because that's what they were designed to do is tune it yourself. But that doesn't always lend to reliability and longevity and the things that you want. So if you can find one that is perfectly stocked, that is a better place to start sure, yeah, rather than sure. buying somebody's, hey, I've got a tune and exhaust and suspension and stuff on it. Maybe that only pushes the price up, but mm -hmm. that doesn't speak to the goodness of what that car had inherently. And that was the hanging on to speed and teaching you driving techniques just by virtue of the car's platform. Agreed. Yeah. So great. Now, and the power keeps it down and it probably keeps it in a, a insurance class that is better for your age at this point. But that is such a factor. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great choice, but you're going to have to shop really smart when you're looking for a stock one of those. And GTA the insurance 6. is going to decide all of these instantly. And hi, mom and dad. <laughs> Thanks for writing. If you've got your own debate, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Topic Tuesdays, car debates, and car conclusions, too. Lots of really good audience questions. I'm going to start right here on Facebook. Mark is asking a question I wanted to answer because I've also seen it on our 86 Cayman piece in the questions and comments on that piece. He said he enjoyed the 86 versus Cayman S, but he feels like he would have liked to have seen a base Cayman instead of the Cayman S. Would have been closer in performance. Mark, this has been asked on YouTube, and let me see if I can clarify here. Some reviews that most magazines do, and we do them as well, it's about let's, let's match up the performance. But then we do something else, and that is value for money reviews. Mm -hmm. This is the amount of money we're spending. What's the best value or the most interesting car at that price point, which was the case here? The 86 doesn't come in an 86S. The GR86 is just this is the way it comes, and we spent $34,000 on it. But this is the way many of us crazy car people shop. With $34,000, I could get a Porsche Cayman. I could get a Cayman S. Mm -hmm. If you could get a Cayman S and a base Cayman for the same price, you're never going to buy the base Cayman. Exactly. You're right. never going to. Exactly. So since you can get a Cayman S for the 86 prices, it's not about where the where the we make sure that the stats matter. That's not the point. The point is, I could get this for that. That's crazy. And then they give you the YouTube flip side. If we'd put it with a base Cayman, it'd be filled with comments about, well, for that amount of money, you could have gotten a Cayman S. I would, you know, and, and then the secondary comment would have been, <laughs> the Cayman the S would have blown that out of the water. The, the 86 wouldn't have come close. No, we brought a Cayman S, yeah. same money, and it was close. I was also thinking about comments that we've seen. What about the GT86 against a base Cayman? Instead of this particular review. The first Gen the first 86 gen versus the... Yeah, that's interesting. Versus yeah. base. But that would have actually blown it out. That would have 
leveraged it too far towards the Porsche because even though the Cayman has a bit more power, mm-hmm. it, it has too much more than the GT86. I, I think the base Cayman will still have overwhelmed the GT86, and it wouldn't have been even close to a fair Maybe. fight for the same money. Interesting. I mean, it would have been interesting to see what it would, would do if we matched up the tires and stuff with the same. But but this is the reason, because this is that weird car person thinking of, mm-hmm. I could get a new of that. And we do it all. This is the whole podcast. We have this amount of money. What <laughs> yeah. could we get? And we go, here's a couple of new things. And then we go, do you know you could get this used? This the is what we're talking about. You can get for yes. that dollar amount. Let's talk about movies briefly. Kirk Meyer asks if there's been an off-road car chase scene in movies. Mm. If not, why? Well, there is. I can think of one. We could use the Lambo Serato. Work in it. dust is. But what is? I can't even remember. It's dust so is gold awful. dirt. So Thank the bold. you. Thank you. I just I <laughs> tried to wipe my brain of it. Many of it's, you said you looked up that YouTube video after the, our last podcast, and you said we were right because it's really genuinely awful. Yeah, the level yeah. of suckitude on that video is pretty high. Also, a 911 Dakar. He'd be really excited for a Wrangler versus Bronco through some woods and mountain sides, but I have one for you, Kirk. Okay. Fast and Furious 7. Remember when Roman Pierce is dangling in his car through the uh, forest and they're chasing at the very beginning of the movie? Yeah. And then Deckard Shaw shows up out of nowhere uh-huh. inexplicably. It's like, how did you find us? And how did you have that custom built thing? And it's doing really well through the forest. And have you not hit a tree already? <laughs> Because you're looking through the window to your, to your left. You cannot apply driving logic to any Fast and Furious And the movie. trees are like totally random and whipping by. I'm like, how have you not hit a tree? That whole movie is just thrown for the family filter and nothing else. How is this possible? And then they chased through and they rolled oh, yeah. over. And yeah, then yeah. at some point, Dom launched himself. I'm sorry if I'm ruining F7 for you guys. <laughs> you're not. There is no ruining those movies. <laughs> I guess yeah. not. I love how he hands his helmet. To her. I had Put forgotten on the, that. You're right. I don't need a helmet. I'm Dom. <laughs> I will protect you and I'll be fine. I'll use my arm. I, that is hysterically <laughs> awful. You know what? Some of the Bond films have done some off-road stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you right. know, I'll, I'll tell you something crazy. One of the reasons that it's easier to not do an off-road chase is because it's easier for production equipment to not be off-road. I'll tell you a trick that happens. Because of the camera shaking? Yes. Well, just at period. You want to be on yeah. asphalt. You want to be at a place that's not getting dirt in everything. Yeah. We've got sensitive lenses. We've got a bunch of people. I've got to put behind the camera. I've got to put 250 people. I can do that in this office building on the corner while the car, car drives by, or I can do it in this forest where there's no bathrooms. The craft service is going to get full of dirt and ants. Why are we getting dirt on the lenses? You see what I'm saying? Yes. This is part of the equation. That is fantastic. I'll, I'll tell you the flip side. Something to look for. I am a not only am I a film geek, but I am a Western geek. I love Western films, and I have a a Western script that's almost gotten made multiple times because lots of people have loved it. It's just never happened. I just love westerns. Okay, there is something hysterical that goes on in westerns. Invariably, there is a shot at some point where two guys are riding side by side through the expanse. They're riding okay. on horses side by side through the expanse. Okay. Most of the time, on the Westerns, it really didn't throw it down. The shot is from, like, foot height up. Well, you're on a horse. You don't see the bottom of the horse. It's like because they are riding on the shoulder of a road that has a really nice backdrop, and the camera vehicle is on pavement driving beside them. Seriously. Of course. But you get this amazing shot. shot 
Incredible! Look, I got snowy backgrounds. Look, you know, let's put let's put on one of the telephoto lenses because then we'll pull those mountains that are fifty miles away to right behind these guys. They've still got snow on them. There's the dusty hills. You could shoot this in Moab on a lunch break. <laughs> you could because you put you put them in the shoulder in I the scrub this. brush, five feet off the road. You're on pavement. You shoot and you go back to lunch in town for craft service. This is why this happens. So car shows, closed roads, westerns set in the 1800s, closed roads. Closed roads, too. we got to get <laughs> the production the... done. Andrew Owen asks if we think there will be a true performance and enthusiast EV. And if so, who will make it first? He says, sure, they're fast in a straight line, but current ones are hindered by range considerations and mass market appeal. Like and crossovers. A lot of weight. Hyundai has hinted and teased at N versions of the Ioniq, Ioniq 5 and 6. Tesla does have the Model 3 performance, but these also likely will cost well above what most people can afford. And of course, other EVs like the Rematch Nevera, Lotus Avaya, others. Mm. Well, I mean, those are $2 million electric sports They're out cars. of the reach of everybody. Yes, yeah. they're excluded because of price and availability. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. I do think that Miata is making the right noises. Mm-hmm. It's too early to call, but there's also the Porsche Boxster EV that's been out there. We've the seen Boxster those Cayman they're talking about. The yeah. Cayman. Mm-hmm. I think that is viable, and the the platforms are there. Let's put it that way. And the Miata and the Cayman and the Mira, you know, all those things, like those kinds of mid-engine look. It's so funny to me whether it's an EV or an internal combustion engine. The mid-engine look of a car means sports car. You're right. And we're going to see right. EVs in the future that are these sports cars, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. But they look like they're mid-engine. They're not. <laughs> they're mid-battery. <laughs> mid-battery. That's <laughs> quite perfect. They're mid-powered is what we'll probably end I up guess with. so, even though it's a flat floor of yeah. battery. You know, like the Rematch that you're talking about, the Lotus. They look like they're mid-engine gas-powered cars. They would be perfectly fine having any from a hot four you're all right. the way up to a V10 mm-hmm. in the back behind the driver's seat. And they don't. Mm-hmm. You're right. But they look like it. You're right. Very good Even point. that Toyota concept, the new MR2 concept that yeah. we saw yeah. a year or two ago, that looked like a mid-engine MR2, and Toyota's claiming electric. It's just the look it says. So Miata is the only one that kind of won't. Mm. It will continue. I think Mazda is scratching their heads. They're furiously working how to do this, how to make it small and lightweight, but mm-hmm. we're still limited. It's it's coming. We're just going to have to wait a while. And the weight kill thing is a big killer they have to solve. We'll see how that this all that. Peter, are you there? Has another comment about our 86 Cayman S video. He says, uh, we obviously are bringing up the ongoing value proposition discussion that we all crazy car people have of new versus used. But then he goes, hang on. It's also about warranty versus not. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, how much does this weigh on our minds at Everyday Driver when we consider these cars? Peter, <laughs> I don't know that we're the best people to ask this because if you notice, we're taking monster road trips in 30 and 40 year old cars. <laughs> On purpose. I, I, I think that this is my actual answer. And of course, I, you know, I was the guy that leaned toward the newer car of the two, spoiler alert. But the, the thing is, how are you going to use the car in question? Because one of the things we founded this show on was, you know, what car you could get. And that sometimes was the used car. That's one of the things when we first were shooting like the pilot of this show, we used to describe it to people and say, there are plenty of interesting cars at $40,000, but what about a car that was 80 and is now 40? We used to Mm -hmm. have that discussion Mm -hmm. with people. This is something we've always talked about. It comes down to your tolerance for pain, for maintenance. And here's the thing. I had used cars for most of my life for a long, long time until I finally bought something new with my wife long after I was married. It was for a new, a new, 
Wait, there's a warranty? You could buy these things new. <laughs> it doesn't come with 60,000 miles? Hey, everybody. That's weird. I just anyway, found this out. You have to figure out what is what do you want your value for money on the car? Do you want to spend something and be like, oh, I could have used one. But also, are you needing the warranty? Some people buy a new car because this is my entire budget. My budget is rigid. I have this much money per month and this much for gas, and it cannot go over. Well, you need a new car because mm-hmm. then there's no yeah. weird variables. If it is your only car, that then I do think there is more weight on newer and warranty. If you have more than one car, you can get a little crazier. If you have a car like we do in our cars of the past, where you're going to drive it five or six, maybe 10,000 miles this year, but it's not going to be the only thing you drive, and it's going to mostly be driven for fun, then you can get really crazy because you don't have to count on it on Monday. So where are you on the car purchase? If you were a person saying to me, well, I'm only buying the car for fun, then 86 Cayman becomes a conversation just completely disconnected from warranty. But where are you? Kirk Meyer says, what would a modern Corvair look like? Why can't another car company have a rear-engined car? Mm. Which company would be best suited to make one? I'd have to go through a sketching process. <laughs> this is how you, you deconstruct. I love it. You think it through. Very good. However, I feel like it's in the category of motorcycles. If motorcycles didn't exist up to this point in time, nobody had ever heard of them. They just didn't exist. Mm -hmm. We didn't know about them. And somebody proposed a machine on two wheels with 200 horsepower between your legs Mm -hmm. that could go 200 miles an hour and you could buy it for $14,000. You balance on it. And you can cut through lanes and traffic. balance on this bike Uh and you can ride it in any weather, theoretically. Yeah. And it's faster than pretty much anything on the road. <laughs> I know Do where you you're going. Do you think regulators and legislators and politicians would be totally on board with letting that vehicle exist? <laughs> would never be approved. It would now. never be approved yes. ever. But because over the years, it's been grandfathered in. Now let's apply that to the 911. Porsche over the years has so refined the way the car moves, mm-hmm. there's suspension components and mm-hmm. Everything about that car. They have spent so much track time and racing experience. So much history has been poured into the 911 to make it what it is today that almost any idiot can drive a 911 <laughs> like they would a front engine car. You could forget and do about the its 911-ness. You're right. And the 911 will still perform and it won't spin out. That wasn't the case in the 80s. The Widowmakers, the yeah, name. Yeah. And the whole 911, the thing on track. You drive it differently than any other car, yeah, including yeah. Caymans. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mid-engine thing is one kind of driving. But then you get into a 911, your driving style changes. It needs to. I guarantee you. It needs to, for it sure. If it doesn't, you're spinning. <laughs> if you push it too hard, you certainly will. But for all the refinements and racing history and all the effort Porsche has put into this car, I don't think there's a car company that could touch that. Mm. Or more importantly would want to touch that yeah. to compete for what gain? Good point. For, yeah. for what result? What is the end goal here to mm-hmm. do what? To take sales away from the 911? Guarantee you that's not happening. Well, and the only reason somebody would do it is because they're playing with interesting cargo space. But now with electrics, that's useless. That is moot. It's because it's totally you useless. have a frunk now too. Yeah. So therefore, the packaging of electric cars has kind of made 911s weirdly 
obsolete. The frunk is no longer a novelty. It's not a, yeah. wow, there's unexpected space where I thought there was an engine. Uh, plus, I hate to say this, but uh, I'm going to say it quietly. <laughs> Porsche is slowly making the 911 a mid-engine car. <laughs> they know it shouldn't be back there, but they have the history. So every, every generation, that, that engine's just, just, just a touch, just, just a touch. <laughs> Forward. It's probably in millimeters. Just a touch forward. Look, the, another the fifty years. Car, the nine eleven will be a mid-engine car. Their RSR car was mid-engined to compete. It's a nine eleven with a mm-hmm. mid-engine placement in it. Fifty years from now, there'll be some person that just got out of marketing school trying to make a name for themselves. In the same way that Porsche said electric cars at the upper level are turbos, they'll say that the nine eleven is still rear-engine because the engine is still behind the driver. Somebody's going to, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you heard it here first. But the dynamics that the Porsche 911 forces you to do, especially on track, modern Porsches, the 992, you can drive it like a bonehead. For as as hard as most people will drive their new 911s, most people will never never encounter Mm -hmm. the 911 goodness. But that also means that's also the danger. Yeah. On track is where you experience it, and it forces you to learn a new skill. That's the glory of 911s it's amazing you can break later than anyone (laughs) but then through the corner you're neutral throttle can't get on it on the power quite as soon as everybody else suddenly lift mid-corner spinning will follow i mean there's amazing drivers Mm -hmm. kevin astra is one of chance's favorite drivers and he's shown me clips of kevin just bombing through people in a 911 yeah driving on grass on the the ring the guys that drive those well are at a whole other level. They are <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. And it's fascinating to watch, but that is an entirely different skill. So for the 911 goodness to stick around, for an electric 911 to happen, whether or not Porsche mm-hmm. claims they're going to do it or not, they would have to weight the car in the rear with motors <laughs> and batteries, batteries yeah. to keep the 911, quote, experience alive. Mm. Otherwise, when you build it like most modern electric vehicles are built now, yeah. it takes away and negates everything the 911 is known to do. True. So what's true, the point? True. And apply that thinking now to a gas engine car and a company wanting to do that. What would be the point? Well, and you keep and bringing up how would that affect sales? Are we going to sell it? Yeah, I mean, if you were talking about a new Corvair or a new, let's say, sedan with a rear engine, you're you have now the issues about the fact that the average manufacturer tunes their cars to understeer, mm-hmm. and a rear engine car, by its nature, wants to oversteer. Hello. So, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go here real quick. <laughs> Subaru makes a new rear engine legacy. Never gonna happen sure. because you have to retrain your drivers how to do it. Yeah. Because it is a different shift. I, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I want it to happen. I want to sketch you a modern Corvair. To what end? Yeah. To what, se- to what sales numbers that would justify yeah. the business model? We still have to sell these things. <laughs> Who's buying a rear engine unless, car? Unless I see we're it. building one. There you go. Who's paying the bills for that build? Jorge's writing in and he's saying, how do we get our winter sports cars prepped? And he's not saying for hibernation. He's saying to drive it. Oh, he has good, an yes. RF Miata in New York, and he essentially wants to make it his winter sports car and drive it all the time on winter tires on steep neighborhood roads. Jorge, I love this. I'm going to say first off, tires, 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 tires. And I don't know if you deal with ice. If you don't deal with ice, then there's no reason to have studs. If you deal with lots of ice, then you might want to think about studs. I hope you don't have them because that that, that doesn't make it nearly as good. They're overkill 90% of the time. But he's saying, how do I keep it okay through the winter? You've set yourself up for undercarriage washing. Well, that's 90% of what it's going to tell you. 
because you have to have winter tires. You need to, you said you're going to do the whole winter rubber, extra rims and everything. So that's perfect. Figure out if you're going to do TPMS or if you're just going to ignore the little light on the dash, put the tape over it, VCR style. Yeah, for tape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Figure that out. But, but the big thing I'm going to say to you is wash it more than you think you should. Just wash it all the time because that is the thing that has gotten my, my 300ZX. That car should rust all winter. It just should. It's a car from 30 years ago. I'm driving it through the winter. What am I doing? I washed that thing minimum of once a week, and it survived with a big undercarriage blast. It survived really, really well, so the washing's going to be key. Crash Test 01 asks if we've considered doing any collaborations mm. with other car YouTube channels. If so, who's on our radar? It's not that we haven't considered it or don't want to, but the dynamics of where we're at in car media include a fight for viewership. Mm. Everybody wants the view count. Sure, of course. So if we collaborate, on whose channel does that video appear to get sure. what views? And then depending on the views, is that a revenue split between the two parties? Uh, maybe. Yeah. But to what end? It has to be really compelling and really watchable. And a comparison, maybe there is an idea. And I'm, I'm totally open to sure. it. Yeah. I know both of us are. But you can't put the same video on both YouTube channels. You have to make a video for each channel. That has, that's the co so core of on, the collab idea. You have idea. to figure yeah. out the business model first mm -hmm. before you even make the collaboration, which is weird, and that's the nature of YouTube. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other things that happen, I mean, you have the, the huge channels that collab with somebody that's their buddy to give their buddy a boost. Sure. You have that stuff that goes on. But then there's the swap back, which is there's a, totally There's a fine. thousand ways to do it. We would yeah. be more than open to do it. But, but the big question that in conversations we've had with a few over the years, the big question is, what are we going to do? Because you and I have a specific style that is the two of us intercut in a car, right, right. which no one else does like we do it. The other people have done two hosted things, which we still did that first too, right. but nobody still does exactly the style that we do. So if you add a third person or two more people, how do you cut that? Mm -hmm. What does that become? I am 100% so for it. Where are you at? I'm 100% for it. Yes. It's, it's making all of these pieces work. What's the benefit to both channels? How, what's the actual piece that we're yeah. making? You know, because all of that stuff is, is a factor. And then, honestly, the other factor is location. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. aren't in a place where there's a lot of other people that we would collaborate with. We do have Stradman locally, but he does videos about as opposite of ours as anything on the planet. Mm -hmm. We yeah. have Ben Hardy locally. We've actually spoken to him a couple times. That might be something there at some point. Yeah. But yeah. then we have great friends in Savage Geese. We like the Gears and Gasoline boys. We like the Throttle House guys and the Straight Pipes guys. Watch our 15 years on YouTube video. Those are the people that we actually know. Mm -hmm. We would collaborate with any of them. It was awesome that they were willing to be on our 15 years YouTube video. Of course, that wasn't an actual, like, let's do something together. But it was cool to have them there. We're 100% open. We just have to make the right thing. Thank you so much for all your questions. We really do appreciate it. Oh, like wait. Said, Track Daily Crush. Oh, we have one more. Yeah, I see this from Keith. This well, is interesting. Well, I was a little Track preemptive. Track Daily Crush, Ariel Adam, Factory 5 Cobra, or Caterham 7. Now, hmm. I have not driven an Ariel Adam. We've driven the Daytona version of the Factory 5 Cobra, Cobra so I'm going to count that. We have driven a Caterham. Here's my answer. Everything I know about the Ariel Atom is that it's a handful on track. People want it to be a little better on track than it is. And I think that car, Wall Street Legal, it should be on the track. But I don't want it on track. I want the Caterham 7. The Caterham chassis has been around forever. It was the old Lotus 7. I've driven it on track with a lot of power. It is one of those perfect balanced cars. You can 
screw it up. For sure you can. But you can drive it so well, so fast, and they are fun with any power. Watch the people that have reviewed the top-level Caterham, which is one of the ones we've driven, or the ones with like 80 horsepower. You know what the commonality is? They're all having fun. <laughs> I would Caterham yeah. all day long on the track that would be my dedicated track car as a Caterham. I would love it, and I would daily the Factory 5 Cobra, and that means, unfortunately, I am crushing the Ariel Atom. I think I'm with you. I think that's right on, but we've t- we talk about tires a lot and the right tires for the job. And I think we've come across a car that I, s- I-, I wouldn't want to drive even on the right tires in the winter. And that is the Cobra. I'm still not sure I really <laughs> want to drive that one in the snow and the ice. Well, but the key with the factory five so, is that everybody that builds one of those is how much power can I have? And yes. I think my question would be how little power can how I have? How little power is still can sound we do good. Like, 300 horsepower, 250 maybe? Can we do that? To so make if it, it with usable? A with a top and, you know. You I could, see you, yeah. I could still. But none of these maybe. have top. None of these are winter cars. <laughs> winter cars. You're in the cold either way, buddy. Like with 700 horsepower and a scatter shield around my transmission and straight <laughs> pipes. I Even on the right tires, I'm still not convinced I'd want to drive a Cobra on snow. But I don't think either of the other ones work, though, either. No, they don't. It sounds exciting, but uh, but maybe a little too exciting. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Looking forward to next time, as always. Cheers, everyone.